Hey there, and welcome to the podcast. You are listening to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast. This is episode number 194. I'm glad you're here. If you are listening or watching the live broadcast on YouTube, it's another weekend podcast where I'm looking rather casual. So um, it's Wild Hair Wednesday. I actually worked this weekend in an ER and had a great weekend. Um, I don't know that I, I don't know. I like my time in the ER. I always appreciate it. But um, so it's kind of been a wild weekend and a little time crunched, but you know, it's important to me to get these podcasts out. So I always make sure I make time for it. So I'm glad you're here. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. If this is your first time to my podcast, I'm your host, Dr. Delaine Vaughn. This podcast is for women who are not ready to let go of their longevity, their vitality, their vigor, their gumption. This is for women who know that life is a gift and we're not starting ready to start on a downward spiral of letting it go. Most of us realize when we get older that we might lose a little sharpness of the exuberance and the stamina that we had, but we're not ready to blunt it out entirely. And when we get a diagnosis like diabetes or prediabetes, it is a warning shot that threatens that gift that we've been giving or given. And we want to stop it at all costs. The more we realize we, or more we understand, I guess, about our type two diabetes, the more we realize that it's a process that really has to be reversed in order for us to maintain the spirit, the spunk and the gumption that has always been us. This podcast is dedicated to strategies to help women do just that. So today we are going to talk about the second part of my journey. So I started a couple of weeks ago with a series of podcasts talking about kind of my journey with reversing my, my, or like, I guess really getting in control of my health. I was pre-diabetic, didn't really understand insulin resistance and kind of what that meant. Um, but definitely um, had a diagnosis of prediabetes and I was seeing my weight climb. Um, and really, I had to come to grips with that and figure out how to get some help. I was in this place where I was just not ready to let go of my youth and my vitality and my vigor. I wasn't ready to quote unquote be old yet. And so um, I, I saw what was happening, you know, that I was gaining weight and that my A1C was climbing and that I had this diagnosis of prediabetes and that meds were on the horizon and all of the complications that come with the meds and then with the diagnosis. And I wasn't ready to go there yet. So I had to figure out a way to do this. So these, I've, I've got a series of three podcasts prepared. One was done. Today is the second part of those, of that series. And it's kind of reviewing what led me to that, like how I made these changes, like what my experience was. Everybody's experience is different. Your experience certainly will be different as you make these changes. Um, but I think that people have an expectation. I, I know I had an expectation. People have an expectation of what it's supposed to look like. I had an expectation of what it's supposed to look like, and it wasn't that way at all. And so I think hearing what other people experience, I think is really beneficial for all of us. So that is what we're going to talk about today. Before we get started, I always tell folks this, if you are on medications for your type two diabetes, please be careful as you start to make the changes that I recommend in these podcast episodes. You have been medicated because of the way you previously ate. When you change the way you eat, you'll need to change your medications. And if you don't, you might get really sick, like ending up in my ER or in the hospital, really, really ill, like could be deadly ill. So please do not make these changes 
without contacting your provider who has prescribed these medications. Have a clear way that they want you to communicate with them in order for you to share your blood sugars so that they can give you guidance on coming off of your medications. It is very important that you do this. So if you're on medications and you're starting to make these changes, please call your doctor's office or your provider's office and let them know what you're doing and ask them, how do you want me to send you my blood sugar readings so that you can help give me guidance on how to come off these meds? When people work with me in my group, I help them do this. I will look at their blood sugars and I will look at their med list and I will say, hold this, hold this, hold this, call your doctor in the morning. That's how that how we keep them safe. So, but if you're making these changes just based off this podcast and we don't work together, please be very careful as you start to make these changes. Please have a clear line of communication with your provider open so that you know how to contact them. All right, coming up, there will be. So many of you know, if you've listened to the podcast, I talk about many different things that cause or that worsen your insulin resistance and your diabetes. Everything from, yes, the food we eat. Yeah, the, there's... <laughs> I talk about sleep. I talk about exercise. I talk about meditation. I talk about all these different things. There's no amount of sleep you're going to do. That's going to like not make Twinkies and Pop-Tarts be an issue, right? Like there's no amount of sleep you're going to do. That means you can have a free for all on Twinkies and Pop-Tarts. Okay. So understand, like we talk about different things that will have an impact on your blood sugars. Um, but the food is primarily the issue, but lots of women will fix the food thing and they still find this like low level insulin resistance and their fasting blood sugars are still moderately elevated just above that normal range and they can't figure it out. So on April 24th, I'm super, super, super excited about this at 10 AM central time. I will be doing a class, a free class for anybody who wants to come. So if you want to come sign up. Delane at Delane MD, send me a message. I'll get you signed up. This is for women with type two diabetes, but it is going to be a class in conjunction with a friend of mine, a close friend of mine. I actually go to her yoga class and her and I do all the, we do meditation classes together. We go and learn about these things, but she's a certified yoga instructor and she is going to come to this seminar. She's going to do the seminar for us. Both of us are going to talk. I'm going to talk about the insulin resistance component. I'm going to talk about the diabetes component. I'm going to talk about meditation and yoga and kind of how these stress management techniques benefit that. And then she's going to talk what she knows about it. And then she's going to teach us some basic meditation, breath work, and yoga practices. So this is going to be awesome. I'm so excited. So again, April 24th. So that's, let me, I'm, I think I have the time off. Yeah, April, it is. It's next Monday. I'm like, I think this seems wrong. I'm trying to do math in my head and it doesn't work out. But it's April 24th. So that's Monday, a week from when this podcast comes out. So if you're interested, send me a message, Delane at DelaneMD.com. I will get you registered. I will get you the webinar information and we will get you in there. It will be at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you are not in Central Time, do your time zone conversion so you make sure you're there when uh, the class starts. I will do my best to record it and get it sent out or get it posted somewhere where everybody can um, come get the information in that class. But this is going to be an awesome event. Event. So I really hope if you're interested in this, make sure you get signed up. If you're going to send me a message about it, send it to Delane at Delane MD, put in the subject line, diabetes and stress management. So I know that's what it's about. All right. Also, like I will post this on my Instagram page. I will post it on my uh, Facebook page. 
If you do not follow me on Instagram or Facebook, please do. Delane MD. It's really straightforward. Just Delane MD. It's just like everything else. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook there. Facebook there. Um, also, make sure you rate the podcast. If you're finding the information in this podcast helpful, the more people that rate the podcast, the more people this podcast gets put in front of so that they can get the same help. If you found benefit, if you're getting results, one, I want to hear about them. So send me an email and share them. I love that. But two, if you rate the podcast and review the podcast, others get to hear about this and get to have the same help that you've found in this podcast. So if you would do that for me, I would appreciate it. Okay, let's get started. So again, this is part two in the series about my journey kind of to optimizing my health and living a naturally healthy life. In episode, I think it was 192, I talked about kind of the frustration and even the fear and exacerbation I had with myself trying to figure out this relationship between me and my food, right? The relationship I had with my food and with my body and with myself. So today I'm going to talk about the messy part. I'm going to talk about the part of learning to have my own back, of learning to always be on my side, no matter what. That was the most powerful lesson I've learned in all of this. And it is applied to all sorts of aspects of my life, from my personal life to my professional life, to my relationship with myself. And not only have I been able to apply it to all of these areas, but I've been able to see benefits and improvement in my life in all of these areas because I've always learned because I've learned to always be on my side. Okay. So I guess when I so last time I talked about kind of I ended up with this place where I was where I was afraid. I was really, really afraid. The joke, I find it funny. I hope you find it funny. Looking back, I find it funny. I don't know that it was entertaining when I was going through it. But I was watching my health spiral away from me, spiral out of my control. I was watching my weight go up. I had taken an A1C and I was like proud. I was like, it's 5.7. It's fine. I think it was 5.7 or 5.6. It was somewhere in the mid five range. And I was like, I'm fine. It's not diabetic yet. I, of course, had been pre-diabetic with a gestational diabetes diagnosis. And I was just seeing all these things spinning out of my control kind of knowing where I was going, right? Like I'm a doctor, I know where this ends up and I couldn't fix it. And so the joke, again, funny now, I don't know how funny it was then, but the joke was, I know what the medical community says. I know what the healthcare community says. I know what a doctor is going to say. I'm a doctor and it's not working. Eat less and move more was not working for me. I think there was one point where I was working out at the gym 90 to 120 minutes a day, six days a week. And I would like call these other, these like super big gyms, these like fancy elite gyms. I can remember I made a phone call to one of them. I'm like, oh, I just need to get a trainer. A trainer is going to help me get this shit under control. Right. And so I called this gym and I was like, it was so expensive. And I was like, but I don't need help working out. I've always been somebody who works out. Like that isn't the problem. The problem is I can't seem to stop eating M&Ms and diet Cokes and chocolate cake and candy. That is my issue. It is not that I need to work out more. So I initially thought I didn't know where I was like, I need this weight off. I need to figure out how to stop eating these things. I know they're a problem. I feel horrible. My A1C is spinning up. My weight's spinning up. I don't know what to do. And I'm a doctor. So I can't even go to the healthcare providers and ask them for help because I know what they're going to say. 
So I started to realize that I needed something else. And I started Googling podcasts. I don't even know if I'd listened to a ton of podcasts before that time period, because I don't, I can't remember what podcasts I listened to prior to listening to health and wellness podcasts or podcasts about medicine. Um, but that's where I started because I did a lot of driving and I was like, oh, I can just listen to something and it can help me figure out how I need to fix this in my life. So I came across a podcast from a life coach and she was a physician and she helped women physicians lose weight. And I started listening to it and I started implementing a lot of those changes. And I was like, oh, this is different. This is different than eat less, move more. This is different than anything I've ever heard. This talks about my relationship with food. This sounds like something I probably need to try. And so I went ahead and invested in that podcast or in that podcast. I invested in her coaching program. It was a six month coaching program. And I invested a lot of money, thousands of dollars into myself to do this. And I will tell you, I definitely got results. Like I think I lost 15 pounds in the first probably 10 to 12 weeks. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit kind of about what I expected it would be. And I'm really glad that I was with a coach because it wasn't what I expected it would be. And I really, it was a, a new mindset for me to continue to fight for me, even when I wasn't seeing the results that I wanted to see. So again, in the first six to 10 weeks, I lost about 15 pounds, but I wanted to lose about 20 pounds. I had a goal um, that she helped me set and it was meant to be a big on. I'm almost like unattainable goal. It was meant to stretch my brain and it did. It was meant to stop selling myself short on what I thought was possible. And it totally did this, but I definitely thought that I would sign up and invest this money in this program and it would give me motivation and it would be a straight line to my results and it would be easy. And of course that was not, I mean, even as I say it intellectually, everybody could be like, yeah, that's clearly not going to cut it. That was not my experience. The motivation was not always there. It was definitely not a straight line. And I'm going to talk about a lot of those curves and twists and bumps today. It was not easy. It was not easy, but it wasn't hard because of why I thought it would be hard. It was hard because I had to keep fighting for me and for what I wanted. So the big goal that I initially set for myself again was a weight loss goal. Interestingly, as I started to learn about why we gain weight, like the biology behind why we gain weight, it turns out it has nothing to do with eat less and move more. It has a lot more to do with the kind of food we're feeding ourselves. And so that really had to change, right? So again, like I was eating less in the form of diet sodas. So why wasn't I getting the results that I want? I was working out 90 to 120 minutes a week or uh, a day. Why wasn't I getting the results that I wanted? And it was because I was still stimulating insulin with the diet Cokes that I was drinking all day long. And even though maybe I was having only a little bit of M&Ms, it was still super insulin surge that came along with that. And then, of course, I started to, as I was working through this for myself and my goals of losing weight, I started to realize the risk that had really been there with my prediabetes diagnosis. And then I started to like apply that to patients that I saw. I'm like, oh, if you're a diabetic, you don't need more meds. You need to stop eating the foods that are causing you to be diabetic. And so... um, as I started to work on this goal for myself, I definitely started to apply these kind of strategies in a lot of different places. So for the first 12 weeks of that program, again, six to 10, 12-ish weeks, I was really strict. And if you've ever heard me talk, or if you're a client of mine, you know, I do not love the idea of being strict. I am not into that strict, quote unquote, strictness 
is forceful. It's coercive. It's forcing something that somewhere deep down you don't want or don't like. And that is no way to get you long-term results. We are grown-ass women and we can do whatever we want and we do not need to be forced to do anything, which means we need to find a way. Like, why do we even want the goal then? We have to connect with that, not continue to use a hard, forceful, strict hand to get us to do something. But that's really what I did for the first, again, close to 12 weeks. I was very, very strict with myself. That did not get me to the relationship that I wanted with myself or with my food or with my body. It didn't even get me to understand what I actually needed to be working on in order to get those things that I wanted, that change in my relationship with food, that change in my relationship with my body, that change in my, you know, um, relationship really with myself. I was not because I was just forcing myself. I wasn't really learning what the issues were. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit. During this first 12 weeks of that program, I had a number of different events where I lost my marbles and went off the rails. And really in that first, again, six to 10 weeks, I can only remember two episodes where I went off the rails. Um, I meant to look at my journals to kind of see if there were, I remember that it was kind of hard for me to start working and moving to eating from a plan. That was something that was a skill I had to hone. And I used it as a tool to really beat myself up for a really long time. I didn't utilize it the way that it's best used, like the most effective way to use that tool. I was not utilizing it that way. I was utilizing it to beat myself up. So um, that was kind of, again, like a twisty turny pattern. That was not a direct line. But I do, I meant to look over those journals to kind of figure out, you know, what I was eating because I really don't remember a lot of that time. But I do remember a couple of different events that happened that um, were really indicative of how it's not a straight line. One day I was at work and it had been a hard day at work and I was working a clinic job. So I was an eight to five person, not like I do in the ERs where I work 12 hour shifts just a few times a month. But I was working eight to five Monday through Friday. And it got to be about 4.30 and I realized that I was not going to get out of work for quite some time. Probably, I probably still had two or three hours worth of work to do. And I was angry. I was pissed. I was frustrated. I was overwhelmed. I felt um, like I was being violated. Like somebody was making me do something that I didn't want to do. Um, I was just very, very angry and edgy. And I knew that like, Clearly going to Quick Trip and getting candy for dinner was not part of my plan because I'd been working this program, the six month program that I'd signed up for. I'd been working and I knew that that was not the right answer. That's what I did though. I did, however, make a promise to myself at that point that I like even before, like before I even started this program, I knew that M&Ms were a problem and I made a promise to myself and I've shared this on the podcast before that I would never eat M&Ms from a multi-serving bag again, like a multi, like serves 20 people. I would never eat M&Ms from a bag like that. I would eat M&Ms and that's okay, Delaine, you can have M&Ms, but you can only have single serving bags. And so that night I went to the convenience store at near my, the, the office that I was working at. And I knew I couldn't find, buy multi-serving bags. So I bought multiple, I think I bought three or four of the single serving M&M bags. And I think I may have bought some other candy and I probably had a Diet Coke. 
Um, and I brought them back to the clinic that I was working at and I munched on them for the hours that I had to stay over. And I was really, really angry and frustrated and edgy. And just, I just felt like I could crawl out of my skin. So looking at the time, I was very frustrated and disappointed in myself. Looking back with kinder eyes, I realized that that was the only skill set I had ever developed to manage the feeling that I had when I felt somebody was taking more from me than I was willing to give them. When I felt like work was taking more of my time than I was willing to give, I hadn't really developed any other skill set to manage those emotions. The only thing I developed was going and getting M&Ms. That's what I did. And of course, when I had spent all this time kind of coercing and forcing myself to follow a plan, I wasn't seeing that what I needed to do was figure out how to take care of myself. It really had nothing to do with the plan. It had to do with not relying on the skill set of eating food that doesn't serve me. I had to learn how to not do that in order to take care of myself so I would stop eating those foods. But of course, when you're forcing and coercing yourself, you don't see that part. So that was one um, particular event that pushed me over to the edge that, again, put a curve. It moved me away from my goal. It was not in the direction. It was not a straight line. It really caused me to rebel against myself. I remember one weekend where I went off the rails. It was like literally a three-day vendor. Um, there was pizza. There was wings. There was chocolate cake. There was all sorts of things. And it was the entire weekend. And during that weekend, it was the first time I realized how much I drive myself. I do not feel, quote unquote, satisfied unless I'm overstuffed. And again, you don't realize this is the issue if you're just coercing yourself to follow a plan, okay? But you have to be willing to be wrong. You have to be willing to, quote unquote, do it wrong. You have to be willing to move in the direction that your brain is pushing you to move and then evaluate it neutrally. Okay. What I was able to do when I was able to evaluate, and I don't think that, let's not be honest, I was not quite that enlightened back then. Like I know I did this through coaching with my coach, but when she was able to walk me through, like, what were you looking for? What I realized that I looked for is satisfaction. And I did not ever feel quote unquote satisfied in my brain, unless I was overstuffed in my belly. And that was interesting because the solution was not to wire my mouth shut, move away from Pizza Hut's, never have chocolate cake available to me. That was not the solution. The solution was how do I create satisfaction in my life that doesn't have to do with food? Okay. These were the things I had to learn in this span of time. So I did that program and then I realized, oh my gosh, this is life-changing work this is what I want to do. I want to get the skill set of helping people make these lifelong changes. And I want to apply it to my patients. I want to have that skill set for my patients. I wanted at that point to start a coaching business, which I have. So after that coaching program that I went through, I actually um, went through an 18 month certification program. And again, there was a lot of coaching on these same techniques, these same skills this awareness, this um, being neutral with yourself, you know, figuring out how to cut yourself, like not beat yourself up for just using the skills that you've used before, but figuring out why are you using those skills? Why are you using the skill of eating food to manage all of these things? So um, 
certainly I can look back on both of those events and see how they slowed my progress. And I can remember in the moment being very frustrated with them. And I know there were even examples. I'm sure if I look back at my journals, I can find multiple examples over the five, six, seven years since I went through that initial program where I would have these similar situations. But what I had to learn again was not how to avoid those foods, but how to provide myself the self-care, the self-value, being on my own side, the self-love. How do I be compassionate and give myself the thing that I need so that I'm not looking at the food in order to create that? Clients often will ask me, like, is it this slow for everybody? Does everybody have this many curves, turns, or falling off the wagon or doing this? And of course, my resounding answer is like, I did. I totally did. Like lots of my clients do. And of course, the thing we need to do is not fix the eating, but we need to figure out these other things. And that is the information that's in those twists and curves, everything that's not the straight line. So I did after I, I've joined two programs to help me with my relationship with food and kind of my relationship with myself and having my own back and figuring out how to stop sabotaging myself. The second program I entered or I signed up for was actually after I did my own coach certification and I had my own coaching program and everything. I had my own coaching business at that time. So, um, I think this is a funny story and I even found this one funny at the time. Unlike when I was stressed out and I'm like, what am I going to go to the doctors for? I am the doctor. What that one I didn't find funny at the time, but this is funny. My children love bunt cakes. So there is this place and I don't know if it's, I assume it's a nationwide chain, but it's called nothing bunt cakes. Very, very clever play on words. My children, my twins love that place. And when they have a birthday, they always want bunt cakes. So for their birthday on this year that I signed up for the second program, they had had bunk cakes because that's what they always get. But we don't just get bunk cakes, right? Like we get bunk cakes for everybody. So there's like giant cupcake looking things that are supposed to be single serving bunk cakes. I'm pretty sure they serve at least two people, maybe three or four people. They're pretty large, um, but we had bought some for everybody that was coming to celebrate their birthday. So there were a number left over. And so it was after their birthday party and it was an evening and I was consumed with the bond cake. There's a particular red velvet one. They have chocolate chips in them. I was absolutely consumed with eating this bond cake. And I had been looking at this other coach's program. I had been considering it. I like gotten the information. I had gotten the welcome video that talked about like, it was essentially their consult and you know, what the program looks like, what it helps you fix, how much does it cost, what you can expect, all of the things. And I hadn't signed up for it yet. And as I I was literally on my front porch and just sitting there consumed and thinking and ruminating and ruminating and ruminating about this bunk cake. And I finally decided like, this is ridiculous. Life is too short to live like this. I'm not going to continue this process. I'm just going to sign up and finally get help for this. And so it was a $4,000 program that I signed up for. And so I called that bunk cake, the most expensive bunk cake ever. That's what I thought of it as. And I would chuckle to myself. That's funny. And, and then I like stubbornly 
obstinately would not eat the bunk cake because it was the most expensive bunk cake ever known to man. And so I think I ended up like the kids didn't eat it. Nobody ate it. I think I ended up throwing it away and I felt really empowered by doing that. But the joke was that it was the most expensive bunk cake ever. That's what I thought of it in my brain. So I signed up for that program and that program was really, I was in that program for 18 months. I really enjoyed that program and I learned a ton and um, I reached all of my goals, including my big goal that I had originally set years before I finally reached that goal. And I learned to live pretty comfortably at that goal. There was an event that was kind of a turning point for me, and it was probably 15 months into that program, maybe 12 months. I'd been in the program for quite some time, and I remember I had been coached through a number of different really, really stressful situations, but it really just took some time for me to internalize it and make it mine and really start utilizing that skill of how do I take care of myself and not sabotage myself, not shoot myself in the foot. How do I take care of myself? And beyond my side, how do I do both? Because when I get frustrated, when I get overwhelmed with work, when I get down, when something impacts me emotionally and I turn to food, like maybe I feel better for a moment, but I sabotage my longer term goals and I don't want to do that. So how do I take care of those emotions that I'm having and not sabotage myself? So there was an event that I had. Um, it wasn't, it was a, a situation that I found myself in that um, somebody had confided something very vulnerable to them in me. And it was in a coach client situation. Somebody had confided something very vulnerable to me in that scenario that although as a coach, I didn't have any responsibility to do something with, but as a physician, I probably did. I felt like I did have a responsibility. I'm a mandated reporter as a physician and this information, they were vague about the information and they weren't clearly telling me what they what had happened or what they were experiencing. But in my brain, I was like, I think this person is experiencing this situation and I am a mandated reporter in the state. And now I've got to get the authorities involved. And it felt horrible. It felt awful. It was one of the probably top 10 most uncomfortable situations I've been in, possibly because I wasn't decided not to eat. <laughs> I had to really sit with the emotions and not buffer them out with any food, not dopamine them out with anything. I just had to sit and experience it. So um, I can remember walking up my stairs to my office and my brain being like, Hey, baby girl, this one's rough. This is rough for you. You could definitely go some, eat some chocolate. You got a bag of it down there. You can sit there and polish that off today. This is a rough day one of the roughest, like, there's no reason you don't do this. Like there's no reason not to do this. That situation was the first time that I saw what was happening. I was like, yeah, of course my brain's offering me chocolate. Like, this is how I've dealt with this all these years. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just a skill set that I've honed and I can use if I want to. But I don't think today I'm going to do it because it turns out I'm still going to have to deal with the situation. And I actually just don't want what comes with the bag of chocolate. It was very matter of fact. It was not berating. I was not arguing with myself. I wasn't angry with myself. And I was just kind of like, ah, so I'm going to sit and feel cruddy right now. And that's how it's going to go. 
it was in that moment that I had the realization. I had had the realization previously that the food doesn't fix the issue. But what I'd never realized until that moment is that there is going to be something unpleasant no matter what I do. If I deal with the chocolate or if I eat the chocolate so I don't have the emotions and that's how I deal with the emotions, I'm going to have the emotions of not seeing the results that I wanted on the scale. And I'm not going to like that. I might like the chocolate, but I'm not going to like the scale and what happens there. And if I don't eat the chocolate, I'm not going to like feeling the emotions that I have to feel, but I am going to like what happens on the scale. No matter what the decision was that I made, there was going to be something that I liked about it and something that I didn't like about it, right? This is the shit sandwich conversation. If you've ever heard me talk about this, no matter what decision you make, there's a flavor of shit sandwich that you're going to choke down. We're all going to choke it down. All the decisions have both. I, most of the decisions have both. I really think all of them have both. There's going to be something that you like about it. And there's going to be something that you don't like about it. I guess in those situations that there's not a negative outcome, you're not having a struggle to make that decision. Like that's how, you know, it's not a problem because you're not thinking about the decision. If it's a clear this way or that way, you're not having this conversation. Should I do it? Should I not do it? Should I do it? Should I not do it? Because you know, clearly this is the thing I should do. There's nothing bad about it. If you're having the back and forth, the volley of the food chatter, eat it, don't eat it, eat it, don't eat it, eat it, don't eat it. You need to recognize you're going to choke down a shit sandwich no matter what you do. If you eat it, you're going to have the negative outcome in your blood sugar or on the scale. And if you don't eat it, you're going to have the negative outcome of sitting with wanting it and not eating it. You're going to like what happens on your blood sugar and your scale. Okay. That is what I learned in that scenario. So the realization again, that the food wasn't going to fix anything that wasn't necessarily new. Okay. The food wasn't going to fix any of my emotions and there was nothing wrong with that. Like it's okay to sit and feel the emotions eating multiple bags of M&Ms when I was frustrated at work did not fix my frustration. Recognizing that I'd never learned any other skill for managing when somebody was encroaching on my personal space and time. Like, of course, that's why I did it. That's, that's the only skill I had learning to like, or like learning and realizing that overstuffing myself didn't create satisfaction. Like that was the skill I needed to learn, but recognizing at that point, before I learned that lesson, the only skill I had to create that satisfaction was overstuffing myself. That was the only way I knew how to create feeling satisfied. Recognizing that the chocolate wasn't going to fix that tough situation I found myself in, right? In the moment, learning how to care for myself, giving myself space, giving myself downtime. I literally, I put my Ugg boots on and I, I put this big fluffy sweater on and I wrapped myself up in it. And I went and I sat on the couch and I just kind of gave myself some space to empty my brain, have some downtime to rest and give myself comfort because it was going to be a hard day, right? That was the skill I had to learn how to manage. This is the work. This is that that middle part of this. Like the first part is learning. I got to do so. I got to fix this. I got to do something different. That was part one. And that's part one for most people. Part two, when we're actually creating the change, the thing we're doing it, we're learning it, we're figuring it out. We want it to be a straight arrow from point A to point B. And it is not, it is a curvy, twisty, rounded ball of twine that you can't always untangle and you need help to untangle it. Right. That's the work. This was my work, right? You don't need me to tell you not to eat the chocolate cake. You already know that. You need to figure out why you keep eating the food that makes you sick. 
That's what coaching helps with. This is the work that has to be figured out and done. This is what happens in my coaching group. If that's something you're interested in, you know you can reach out. Know there is help. Send me a message, Delane at DelaneMD.com. We'll get you set up for a consult. If you have any questions about any of this, if you have any questions about the strategies and techniques that I teach in this podcast, don't hesitate to reach out to me and ask me any questions, okay? But this, guys, is the work that we do. This is what leads to self-value, self-care, self-love. This is what leads you to unapologetically be on your side all the time. And this is how we figure it out. So if that's something you're ready to do, send me a message. If you're interested in the April 24th seminar on stress and diabetes, please reach out to me, Delane at DelaneMD.com. I'll get you on the list and we'll get you the information. It's going to be a great webinar. I'm so excited. All right. I hope you have a great week and I will be back next week. Bye-bye.